Welcome to the Life Church STL podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages and inspires you. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's message. So we're still for the next two weeks in this series called Summer Psalms, and I'm going to be starting out with a scripture that isn't a psalm, but it relates to the to the message, and then we'll get into the Psalms. But in Philippians 4, 6 through 7, I just want to open up with this. It says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. And what I want to say in in opening up this message is is that peace is loud. Peace is loud. Let me explain that a little bit. When turmoil, anxiety, fear is the norm, whenever anxieties and worry and fret and worry, look, it, it is the norm. And even sometimes when we don't think we're dealing with that stuff, we still are dealing with that stuff. And people are all around us. So the norm is to be anxious and to worry about what is going to happen tomorrow, about if my work that I'm doing is effective or if I'm going to be able to take care of my family. So many different things, but worry being the norm makes peace loud. See, people notice when someone is walking in peace, which is interesting, isn't it, right? It should be that just peace is just there, and and everybody has it, and so it doesn't sound like a bullhorn to all those that are around it, but it it does. Whenever all this stuff is happening and you're walking in the peace that God has given you through Jesus Christ, it is is loud. And that peace is something that every person is hungry for. But most people are struggling to find that because they're struggling in themselves trying to find that, thinking that if I work really hard, and this is the craziest thing, and we all kind of think this way at some point in our lives, if I do this, really hard and really well and, and, and save up all this money or whatever, provide this place for my family, then all of a sudden I'm going to be able to retire and there'll just be peace that somehow something or some place is going to give us that peace. But it isn't what gives us the peace. God is. So we shouldn't be anxious. Psalm 127, starting in verse 1, it says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. And in the Amplified, it says, 
in that verse too. It's vain for you to rise early, to retire late, to eat the bread of anxious labors. Well, think about that. We're like, I got to work. I got I to gotta do these things. I got to make money so I can put food on the table. And it's not bad to put food on the table. But in this scripture, when it says to eat the bread of anxious labors, and that makes me think about sometimes that how we work so hard just to, you know, make it, you know, to be somebody, to have this or have that. And thinking about those things that we possibly can acquire and thinking that's, that's the bread of anxious labors. It's spoiled bread. It's no good. It may look good to everybody else, but it doesn't sustain us and it doesn't give us peace when we eat that bread. Whenever I have that thing, it doesn't do what I thought it would do. When we grow up, we have to work for our bread. You know, we do. I tell my kids, you're going to have to start working for that bread. Things don't just come to you. They don't just happen. And they're not supposed to. We are supposed to work for what we have. We're supposed to work for the bread that we eat, for the food that we eat. But how are we working for it? In this scripture, it doesn't say don't work. It doesn't say don't work hard. It doesn't even say don't work for 12 hours in one day. But what it's trying to explain to us is to not be working in vain, to not be working anxiously, trying to get something for ourselves, to be working to, to provide something for ourselves and not thinking about the one who is actually providing everything for us, whether we know it or not. You know, I, I often think about, you know, How we can get wrapped up in ourselves, like I did this, I did that. And I think about God created you. The only reason, and I look, I tell myself this the only reason that I could get up this morning, the only reason that I could drive my car, the only reason that I can stand up here or do anything that I do is because of Him. Yeah. Right? I still do it, I still work, I still drive, I still wake up, I have to do that, but the only reason that I can is because of him. The blood that's pumping through my veins, through your veins, the only reason that it's doing that is because of him. <laughs> so he doesn't want us to be anxious the toil to day and night. He doesn't say that there shouldn't be a watchman, be somebody guarding the city. He doesn't say that we shouldn't provide. He just says, don't do it on your own accord, on trying to stand on your own two feet without God helping you, without allowing him to do really what he's already doing in the background, but don't take credit for it, you know? 
So in verse 1 it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Builders build houses. We put our hands to the work. But unless the Lord is with it, unless he is by our side, we labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The watchman's going to be there. He's going to be watching. But unless God is with us, it's in vain. So a couple of reasons, a couple of things that I pull out of this scripture that make this a vain strategy that we have is if God isn't with us. If we simply aren't allowing him to be a part of what we're doing. If we're not inviting him into the process of what we're doing. Because we can do that work, you know, whether it's construction, working in an office, whatever it is, being a teacher, we can do those things. But if we want those things to have peace and to have joy, if we want those things that we do to have a lasting effect on those around us, if we want those things to have an impact in our community, it, see, we can labor, but we can labor in vain unless God is there with us, unless we're inviting Him into the process with us. And then secondly, doing it for selfish ambition. In Ecclesiastes 2, verse 20, you have Solomon. In verse 20 through 23, it says, Therefore I turned my heart and despaired of all the labor in which I had toiled under the sun. For there is a man whose labor is with wisdom, knowledge, and skill. He's talking about himself, by the way. He's like, I've got wisdom, I've got skill. I've done some great things, yet he must leave his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. Because, right, we don't live forever. We don't just continue on for eternity living and being some amazing person that's built some great empire. And that's what he's like thinking about and, and, and speaking and toiling over right now. And he says, he must leave this, his heritage to a man who has not labored for it. This is also vanity and is great evil. He's, he's kind of coming down saying like, whoa, what am I doing if I'm toiling, anxious, and laboring for all these things, building these things, and I am not going to be able to live in this house forever? I'm not going to be able to do it. Somebody else is going to come and live in all these things that I've made and he sees this selfishness and this pride in himself. For what has a man for all his labor and for the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun? For all his days are sorrowful and his work burdensome. Even in the night, his heart takes no rest. This also is vanity. And this scripture really right here is actually a parallel exactly to Psalm 127 verse 1 and 2 that we just read because he's talking about the things, the work that he's doing and how it's vain. 
if he's just working and doing it in a selfish manner. And then he says, and then if I stay awake real late and I don't rest, if I don't have that peace because God's in it, if I don't sit back and rest, and in Psalm 127, it tells us that God gives us rest. And like I said in the Amplified, it says it give, He gives to those in rest. Think about that. Why? Do we have to sleep? You know, I've got a daughter. I've actually got two daughters, but one daughter that does not like to sleep at all. It's like her least favorite thing. And sometimes I'll go in there. I'm like, you're going to have to go to sleep. You're going to have to go to bed. And she's like, why? It's so boring. <laughs> it's boring to sleep. I just want to do something. I, I don't. Like, why do we have to sleep? And I try to explain it every time. It's like, you know, that's how God made us. But why did God make us? Like, he could have made us where we stayed awake and were rejuvenated, you know, by food in a way that we didn't have to sleep. I don't know how he could have done it, but he could have. But I think that God allows that rest to remind us that we need Him, that we aren't so strong, actually. If you try to stay up, and I've done it, you know, actually my son was asked, I think it was my son that was asking me the other day, he's like, no, maybe it was my daughter. It probably was my daughter that doesn't like to sleep. But and they were saying, have you ever just stayed up all night and just not slept? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, when I was younger, or I've done that, you know, and not slept and stayed up the whole other day, next day. And uh, it's not easy because your body needs sleep. But if you try to stay up two nights, like 36 hours, 48 hours, like if you stay up longer and longer, your body starts to break down and doesn't work correctly. Your brain doesn't function how it's supposed to function. And I believe God has given us this limp, if you will. I mean, it's not. We have to sleep. But this thing to remind us of who He is and to remind us that we need rest, that we can't just keep going and going and thinking we can do it all on our own. But He has to give it. And it says, right in verse 12, He gives to His beloved in rest. That when we rest, think about that. Whenever we rest, He can actually do more than what we are doing whenever we're up and toiling. That I could go to sleep and God can do it. Now, I'm not saying he's going to like go get my oil changed in my car. <laughs> but what I am saying is that if I were to stay up worried and, and, and anxious about stuff that's going on in my life, stuff that God needs to be in, and I was trying to figure it out and fix it, maybe it's family issues or or different things, and if I didn't rest in Him, if I didn't allow Him, see, it's hard to sleep whenever you're worried about stuff. 
it's hard to sleep when that anxiety is making those thoughts run through your brain 100 miles an hour about, okay, what's going to happen with this? How am I going to deal with this situation? I don't know. And, and am I going to be able to handle it the right way? What am I going to do? Like all, all these things running and all of a sudden your brain's just like going 100 miles an hour and you can't rest. But think about if we were able to give those things to God and say, God, I know I'm going to have a part in it, but the only way that this is going to work out is actually if you do the work, is actually if you have a hand in what is going on in my life and this thing that I've been worrying about, I don't want to worry about it anymore. I want to actually just come to a place of, of peace in this situation and allow you to work and then go to sleep. How amazing would that be? I know it's not easy, but how amazing would it be to be going through the hardest thing in your life and you can just fall asleep like a baby? I have another kid. I actually have three other kids than what I was talking about, but my youngest son, the dude since he was born, could just fall asleep on the, at the drop of a hat. And he actually, because <laughs> I go in and like tell him, hey, it's time to go to sleep. I'll pray for you, you know, and stuff like that. And he's told me multiple times, no, don't do that because I'll fall asleep really quick after you do that. I want to stay up a little bit longer. But I want to be like that where I can just go in and lay down and my mind isn't running with all this stuff and is able to rest. How can we do that? We can do that when God is in the work. When it's not all reliant just on us and our labor and what we can do. If I'm the watchman on the wall and God isn't the one watching with me and really doing the work, then I can watch but not very well. I mean, that's what we're doing when we're staying awake. We're watching. I'm the guard guarding this city. I'm the one watching out, and I'm staying up. But so many times our staying up is in vain because God's not in it. And in verse 2 it says, It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. He gives his beloved sleep. It's kind of just what I was talking about. He gives his beloved sleep or he gives to his beloved in sleep. There's both of those translations. I like the one that says he gives to his beloved. I, I want to receive from God. I don't want to just receive rest. I want to receive from God when I rest. God can perform more good for us while we sleep than we can for our anxious toil while we're awake. Think about that. 
do we trust Him enough to rest and to sleep? In Psalm 127, verse 3 to 5, he goes from this talking about our labor and washing out, keeping an eye on, laboring in vain for our family, for all the things that are going on and not allowing him to be in the work. And then it says, Behold, children are an heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies at the gate. We've come to a pivotal moment in our nation and in our country. And the church needs to be a life raft and not a judgmental party that feels like it's won a Super Bowl. And I'm, I, don't, I don't want to come at this hard or like I'm coming at, at people, because I'm not. But what I want to do is to encourage God's people to take action instead of just speaking things. And I feel like in this moment that we're in in a nation that there's a lot of people that are just celebrating, throwing parties and not actually doing anything. Because we need to do more than we've ever done in our lifetimes. We need to be more active than we've ever been. See, it's not time to sit back and say, wow, look what happened. There's been this overturn of Roe versus Wade, and and states can now make uh, the decision. And and so there's some states that are still going to have abortions, and there's some states that are banning them. And there is a celebration that can be had in that. But the thing is, if we just sit here and celebrate and talk about it, To me, all kinds of labor has just been done in vain. But if we actually rise up and actually put movement in our feet and do things, listen, more now than ever, we need to encourage and, and, and help and to comfort those that have already made that decision and now are dealing with the weight and, and the heaviness that comes with that decision. More now than ever, we need to be there for people that have had 
and abortion. More now than ever, we need to step up and, and be a part of or give to centers or pregnancy centers that are helping people to walk through those difficult situations and helping them figure out what they can do. You know, I, and we have as a, as a church, but I'm convicted now that we, like I'm just saying, I'm speaking here, convicted now that we need to do more as a church. As I'm speaking to us as a people saying, as a people, we need to do more. We have a gentleman in our church, Gary, Giselle, that his heart is like, yeah, his heart, sorry, I didn't ask you if I could say your name, but I did. So his heart for babies and for women that are going through those decisions is gigantic. And he's been helping with, is it my life? My life. Pregnancy Center. He's gotten us involved with them. He's gone and prayed for people that are going to abortion clinics. He's, he's out there doing and not just talking about it. And I say that again, not to, not to say, to call out anybody, but to encourage us. To say that we need to stand up and do something and not just talk about it. If we want to celebrate we need to get up and take action. How about now? Y'all go out and adopt a child. Or maybe foster children that are in foster care. How about that? I'm a little worried now because Tori's asked that before. Like, maybe we should do this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure we can right now. So I'm a little worried, but okay. Might as well, you know, I'm talking to everybody and talking to myself. Okay. But are we going to do something? Because this is needed. Yes, there's been a great thing happen. But it's not great if the church doesn't do something to help the people that are in need in this situation. It's all in vain if we don't allow God to move in us to do what he's asking us to do. So we come to these moments. And here are a couple of uh, ways that, that we do things. One of the ways is we think about it in a way that God does nothing and we do everything. I do all the work, you know, and this is really the way that somebody that's not a Christian, that doesn't know God, this is the way they live their lives. Problem is, there are many Christians that live their life this way also. I'm doing all the work. I'm getting it done. You know, yeah, I know God. I love God. But I don't allow him into the nuts and bolts, the nitty-gritty of my life. I don't allow him into the things that I'm doing. 
Second way is God does everything and we do nothing. There's a handful of, well, I say a handful, but a great number that kind of think this way. It's like, God's going to do it. This thing needs to happen in our nation. People need help. Roe versus Wade is overturned. That's amazing. That's awesome. Now, God, you help those women and go sit down. I'll pray for you. Can I tell you, saying I'll pray for you is not usually a good thing. Because more times than not, people need actual help. And praying for some, or saying, oh yeah, I'll pray for you. Passing by that person that needs to be lifted up out of the gutter or or needs some food on their table, I'll be praying for you, praying that God comes through and walk away and do nothing. Philippians 2, 12, it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. And this is so interesting, this scripture is work out your salvation. It's not that you do the work that gains salvation. But you have received salvation because of what God has done, because of the work of the cross. You receive that salvation, but we have to work it out. If I receive that salvation, I need to work out all the stuff that doesn't need to be in me. I need to work out what God wants me to do. I need to work with him for him to show me how this salvation that I've received from him should transform me and cause me to do something for his pleasure. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. It's so interesting. Work it out, but it's God who works. But remember, he's the one that is working these things out for you and for your good. So the last way we handle these things, and we can and we should handle these things, is God does everything and we do something with it. It's all because of him. It's all for him. It's all by him. It's all, it's all his. But we get to do something with him. And we should do something with him. In 1 Corinthians 15, 10, it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. By the grace of God, I am what I am. The only reason, he's, well, me too, but in this scripture he's saying the only reason 
that I'm here, that I can do what I do, that I'm even speaking to you, or that I'm alive. It doesn't matter what it is. The only reason is by the grace of God that I am what I am. But his grace toward me, again, this word vain comes up. But his grace toward me was not in vain. It's only because of his grace that I'm here. But it wasn't in vain. Because why? I labored more abundantly than they all. So he says, it's only because of God. But I'm laboring so hard because of God. said, I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I. But So he's like, I love this picture. And I think this, this is like wrapping this psalm and this service up. This is, I guess, what I would say. That in everything that we do, I can say, God, I'm going to labor. I'm going to do for you everything that I possibly can. I'm going to work so hard, but I have to sandwich that. I got to put that in a God sandwich. You know, it's like an Oreo, and I'm the creamy center, you know, that because of God, because of Him, I am what I am, but I'm laboring really hard, but actually it's not me, but it's because of God. But it's because of the grace of God that's in me that I can do these things. I love that. And I, and I think, really, again, to wrap this up, you can stand. Why don't you stand with me? To wrap this up, we need to do something. We need to work hard. But we need to understand that it's not anything but God that allows us to work hard. It's Him that has brought us to the place that we're at. And it's him that's going to sustain us. And that our life should just be wrapped. Everything that we do, everything that we say. See, it's not that we don't say something. It's not that we don't do something. But whenever I do something, I want to say it's because of God that I can do it. And it's because of God that I'm here. Yeah, I can labor really hard, but the only way that I can do that is because God is allowing me to do that. Yes. Thanks for listening today. We pray this message encourages you. If you have any questions or you'd like to learn more about us as a church, you can always visit us online by going to lifechurchstl.com.